Welcome to another episode of Lock on Lightning, part of the Lock on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Ranger. How's everybody doing? Happy Wednesday to work, uh, leaving their houses and doing all that. Friday is just around the corner, so don't worry. Uh, to start off the show today, I would just like to dedicate today's show to all the essential workers going out there, all the doctors, the nurses, all the hospital staffs, all, all the people that work in the pharmacies, all the essential stores and all that, in the grocery stores, you name it, all those people who are going out there and, uh, you know, risking, risking their health to provide a service that is very valuable to all of us here. And I just wanted to say I appreciate all every single one of you and keep up the good work and stay safe. So I want to start off today's show uh, a little little shout out to a listener of Locked on Lightning who slid into my DMs on Twitter the other day. And he had, I wouldn't say harsh words, but I'm going to give him a little shout out right now. His name is Jim from Boca Raton. He sent me a message yesterday and it was kind of funny because I didn't really think it was a big issue to begin with, but he said, I basically get the tweet, uh, his, his message on Twitter. And he says, he writes, Hey bro, what's up with those movie recommendations? Haven't heard one from you in a while. Uh, better keep up with those. I'm running out of things to watch. (laughs) I just like to say, buddy, uh, sorry about that. The reason I haven't been keeping up with the movie recommendations is because quite honestly, there hasn't really been that many movies that have really caught my eye that are, um, that, you know, are out of the box type movies that are really, uh, I guess, you know, recommending recommendable, I guess. And so I I like to really recommend movies that, you know, maybe not a lot of people would watch really, or would think to watch, you know, I'm not going to come on here and say, go watch, uh, for, for the sake of argument, go watch Road to Perdition on Netflix, just because I, you know, that as good as a movie that is, I'm not sure if, you know, a lot of people will be into that. But uh, what I'll do now is I'll have my recommendation to make up for it. So this one's for you, buddy. So my recommendation for this week, well, I guess for this week, I guess we'll do a weekly one since because... I have found that a lot of people, especially since being quarantined, have just been binging movie after show after movie. And I guess they've pretty much went through the entire list. So I guess my movie recommendation, if you could find it on any streaming, is Wolf of Wall Street. I know it's not everybody's first choice or their cup of tea when it comes to a type of movie, but it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it's absolutely hilarious. Leonardo DiCaprio is incredible in it, as well as alongside Jonah Hill. So go ahead and watch that if you're looking for kind of a a laugh, a raunchy laugh. So I kind of wanted to start off today, you know, um, obviously today we'll on the show, we'll be picking up kind of the honorable mentions list. We've already had three uh, of last week for the best seasons in lightning hockey, as well as yesterday uh, we discussed the 2017-2018 season in which they eventually fell short in the conference finals. Uh, Actually, excuse me, it was the 2010-2011 season in which they lost in the conference finals to the Bruins. So, yeah, we're just going to kind of go off of that. Um, Not going to talk about that game. Unfortunately, today we're going to discuss the 2018-2019 season. So, 
before we get into that, I want to talk about uh, a little thing that I'm sure a lot of hockey fans are uh, love talking about, and that's just jerseys. You know, we're going to talk about, in particular, the Lightning's jerseys. So the Lightning's have had some pretty interesting jerseys over the years, and my thing about this is that there's they've made some interesting choices uh, with their jersey selections and with their designs. And I've stated before on the show that I wasn't really a big fan of the all black jerseys that they wear. I believe it's on Sundays. I could be wrong about that, but I mean, I've seen them wear uh, those jerseys a very a big number of times on the weekends, especially on Sundays. I don't know how I feel about them. I think it's just one of those things. And I'm, I don't mean to sound like an old man here, but my one of my issues with it, other than, you know, it's just very strange. I, you know, if they maybe they added a little blue in there, maybe a little dark blue would look a little cooler to me. But if you're watching the game on TV, sometimes it could be hard, especially if you're trying to analyze it and discuss it, as I would be on the following show. Is sometimes it's kind of hard to really see who the players' names are on the back. Now, when I look at a jersey, I look at some of the things that stands out and the design, obviously the font and all that. So, obviously, kind of struggling with that, um, kind of see the last name stuff, you know, when you're critiquing it. That's one of the things that I guess you could pick out of it. But here's my compensation for that with that whole jersey design. Now, I do like it. I like I like the idea. I like the direction that the the Lightning Creative Team, if you want to call it, whoever had the idea to design these jerseys. But what they should have done, and maybe this is just me, and maybe this is kind of me trying to capture some of the spirit that these old Lightning teams that were very successful had. What they should really do, and also because they're just nostalgic, they should maybe take, I believe. Maybe they could take some of the the black jersey concept from the twenty, the I believe it's the two thousand one, two thousand two to two thousand six, two thousand seven uh, teams where it was black with a little white on top, or maybe just take the whole uh, the two thousand fourteen, two thousand fifteen to two thousand sixteen, two thousand seventeen jersey that it's black and has the white stripe and has bolts across the front. Maybe they could take kind of like that design in terms of bolts. And maybe have a, a stripe running across the top of, you know, take the, the black jersey that they already have and kind of have a blue one. Maybe throw some more blue in there and replace the lightning bolt with the bolt, uh, with the word bolts across the front. I don't know. I, I'm curious as to what a lot of you guys think about that. Maybe you, you're a fan of, of the, the jersey that they have now with the all black. If, you know, that's your personal preference, you know, I'm not going to hate you or... Or anything like that, you're entitled to your opinion. Um, I just believe that, you know, maybe you should throw some blue in there. It's just one of those things where I'm not really a fan of it. Um, I did see another jersey, and I don't remember when they wore this, and maybe uh, some of you could help me out. They had another jersey. It's it's a, it's kind of like the same concept, but it has the, it, I guess you could call them white stripes or gray stripes running across Kind of looks one of the old, like one of the old school jerseys that maybe you see like the Toronto Maple Leafs wear every now and then. It has, I, I'm sure some of you could easily go on sportslogos.net. That's where I'm actually looking at right now. But yeah, maybe they could do something like that with blue stripes. 
you know, that's just a suggestion. Maybe just add a little flair to that. But the whole purpose of this, I think, is for me bringing this up is maybe incorporate some of the jersey styles or kind of like, yeah, a jersey style that they had during maybe their Stanley Cup run. Kind of, you know, anything to kind of have that good juju on the team going forward when they do re resume games. I don't know. That's just me. Um, maybe I'm just throwing stuff against the wall and trying to see if it sticks with this whole Jersey thing. But, you know, I was just thinking about that the other day when I was watching some highlights from, I believe it was some of their 2004 season. I just happened to stumble across it in the rabbit hole of YouTube. So uh, I'm curious what your suggestions would be. Go ahead and tweet to us at LO underscore lightning or shoot us an email at locked on lightning at gmail.com or even do what, what, a, what some fans have done already and slide in my DMs or tweet at me on Twitter at APDanker, D-E-N-K-E-R on Twitter. I'm very responsive. I always get back to you guys. And like I've said in the past, if it's something that's notable, I'll talk about it on the show, of course. So, yeah. So let's move on right away. I know this might be a little painful trip down memory lane for some of you, uh, but it's time to rip off the bandaid. And discuss the 2018-2019 Tampa Bay Lightning season. Now, I know a lot of you may categorize this in a way as their best season of all time. Now, the fact that we're discussing best seasons, of course, yes, this is not only if you're just focusing on the season from regular seasons from game one to game 82. Of course, yes, this is the Lightning's best season of all time. But I said when, but what I said when I started this whole, I guess, review or this whole list of the Lightning's greatest seasons of all time, I kind of laid out the critique of what constitutes a great season. Now, that includes the playoffs. Now, sometimes, unfortunately, things don't go as planned or as well in the playoffs as they do in the regular season. And we all know that for sure, of course. With this season as well, because it ended with a first round exit to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And it happened in absolutely incredible, marvelous fashion. So let's get to it. So the Lightning ended the season 62, 16, and 4 with 128 points to earn themselves the President's Trophy. They scored 325 goals. And these points, the 128 points, they're in the fourth all-time for for fourth all-time if you look at all the points, obviously, with all the great seasons that a lot of these teams. Mainly, I believe the Montreal Canadiens had a couple seasons where they were absolutely off the charts. And that's one of the positives that you could take away from the season, of course. You know, unfortunately, it didn't end the way we all would have liked to have seen with, you know, it being the best season of all time by... Uh, you know, lifting the Stanley Cup at the end of the season. But that's the one thing I kind of found out and kind of saw the theme with a lot of these seasons, especially if you want to take this season and compare it to another great season, stack it up against the 1995-96 Red Wings. Now, why am I saying that? Because the Lightning 62 wins this season was tied for the most all-time with that 95-96 that Red Wings team. Now, the only difference between how those these both team seasons ended was the Lightning were, of course, swept to the curve by the Columbus Blue Jackets, who 
I believe, were the second wildcard team, and they were 30 points behind the Lightning in the point standings, which kind of tells you something um, as to how you know far apart in terms of talent and success these two teams were during the regular season, as opposed to, and unfortunately, they didn't carry that that margin. It didn't really show that margin of talent uh, in that series. But we'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, if you want to stack that season up against the Red Wings season, the only difference, of course, is that the Red Wings lost in the Western Conference Finals to, I believe, the Colorado Avalanche. So this is something to take in mind. Uh, Where you're looking at the positives is that it seems that these teams who have absolutely off, out of this world, incredible seasons, their playoff run, for the most part, they don't really, they maybe they make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, I didn't look at all the teams, especially those Canadian teams. I didn't look at that. It was just really the wins and losses that really matter at the end of the year. Because, of course, if you win X amount of games, you're going to get X amount of points. So, you know, I look at it from that perspective. But, yeah, so I think what happens if you're going to look at that season as a whole, kind of dissect it and take one thing from it and kind of use it to analyze why things went the way they did in the playoffs is because, A, this team, obviously they played well during the regular season. They played incredible. I mean, the record shows it and the the, the stats show it. Uh, you know, they, they had two award-winning players on this team. Nikita Kucherov was the league MVP and also had the most points in the league with a 128. And which, mind you, was the most points by a Russian-born player in NHL history in a season. Uh, and his 87 assists that year uh, was also a franchise record. So, you know, uh, I don't know if how many Lightning fans were aware of that. Whereas Andre Vasilevsky won the Vezina Trophy. He won 39 games. He had a save percentage of 9.25, uh, but a goals against average of 2.4 and six shutouts. So this was a good team. It wasn't like it was a fluke. It wasn't like it was just a cast of players who weren't so much big names and, you know, happened to string together one of the best seasons in NHL history. No, this was an absolutely top-of-the-charts team who had every chance to win the Stanley Cup Finals uh, and just couldn't get out of the first round. But if you want to take what happened during the regular season and kind of throw it at the wall and try to dissect it and see why – things went the way they did in the playoffs. It, I believe, just from my perspective, is that this team played so well and they were playing at such a high pace, high athletic pace, you know, competitive pace, whatever you want to call it, all year that they eventually wore themselves out. And it could have it would not only have been physically, it could have been mentally as well. And they also lured themselves into a false sense of security, which you should never do in professional sports, as well as going into the NHL playoffs, which we've said many times on this show is probably one of the best times of the year and is definitely one of the most competitive playoffs in all of the major sports. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people would be inclined to agree with that just because if you look at the other sports, you know, it's the most physically and emotionally demanding, you know, playing seven games at such a high pace and especially in such a brutal sport. Um, I don't see any other sport living up to that. But, yeah, I think that they lured themselves into a false insecurity. And you definitely saw it going into this series, especially after game one. 
especially after halftime on game one, you know, they were up three, nothing in the first period. And then it seems like they sat back and, you know, just took things for granted. And, you know, thought they, they had, I, I was looking at some of the stats. I mean, some of the, some of the video from this series, I looked at the series recap. Uh, I was trying to find bits and pieces here and there. I didn't want to watch the whole series. I think what we'll do eventually in the future is that, We'll do kind of the same thing we did with the 2004 Stanley Cup Finals. We'll kind of do a review of this series just because I'm sure a lot of people haven't really wanted to talk about it or really try to get into what happened since this whole thing occurred, since the whole meltdown. So, of course, they end up losing 4-3 in game one to, uh, to Columbus, but they come, you know, they're coming right back to game two. You expect them to have a big bounce back. Uh, and you don't, you certainly don't expect them to lose this game considering they never lost back to back games all season long, except for once. And that was when Vasilevsky went down with a little bit of an injury back in November of that year. But, you know, you had a healthy Vasilevsky. For the most part, you had a healthy team, uh, except for maybe Victor Hedman, who, if you watch certain parts of that series, especially games one and two, he was slow. Uh, there was a play where, he wasn't doing Victor Hedman things. You know, we like to use that term a lot here on Locked On Lightning. Victor Hedman doing Victor Hedman things because he's such a good player. Uh, he plays very consistent, and you expect him to make the very good plays. That's just how the kind of player he is and the kind of player he is year in, year out. So when he gets absolutely put in a blender by Dennis Savard on a rush, you got to know at that point something's up. So... Turns out he was playing with an injury the entire time, and and it's definitely not a good sign whenever you have a player like that who's playing through an injury and not playing up to his potential. And so they end up losing 5-1 in that game, and, you know, you that was just a hangover from game one. And then you kind of, at this point in game three, uh, you really start to see Columbus start to get their momentum and kind of get in the groove, and they start skating out there with a little bit of swagger. And for the most part, you know, they kind of kept it close in this game. Uh, I thought the Lightning played very well in game three. The issue I had that kind of put the last nail in the coffin for this team before game four was in game two, uh, Nikita Kucherov. And this wasn't just him. It was a lot of people on the team. They were just playing. They weren't being smart on the ice. They weren't playing smart hockey. They weren't taking care of the puck. Uh, I mean, it was the whole team out there. You can't really just place one blame on Nikucherov. But Nikucherov um, got penalized, took a game misconduct, and ended up being suspended for game three, which really hurt this team because I believe if they, they go out and they win game three, especially when they have their best player and you know, they could probably steal game four and turn the whole series around. And who knows what happens from there. But unfortunately, they don't have Kucherov for game three. They end up losing uh, 3-1. And then game four is just pandemonium. They end up losing 7-3. And, of course, we all know uh, that, unfortunately, that's the end to a, a very good season, a bad ending to a very good season. But uh, the one thing, you can't just place all the blame on – Tampa in this one you know they there was a lot of things that they didn't do well and there was a lot of things that they weren't just doing at all but you have to tip your cap to Columbus as well because their four check absolutely slowed down the high-powered offense of the lightning 
And that's the one thing you got to say, you got to say to yourself when you look at this series and, you know, you can't just say, well, Tampa Bay took, you can't just say that you can't just go in and say, well, Tampa Bay took Columbus lightly and they, they were lured into a false insecurity and they were playing, I guess you could say a little bit of lackadaisical hockey and making too many mistakes. Yes, they were. But you can't just say that without giving credit to Columbus for going out there and still playing very good hockey because Columbus could have easily gone out there against a team like Tampa and just rolled over in game one. And because sometimes you'll see that in some years, you'll see the best team in hockey go up against a, you know, a team that just snuck into the playoffs and absolutely steamrolled them in the first round. You'll see that every now and then you don't see it as often anymore, but yeah, that's just one of those things where, unfortunately, uh, yeah, that's just the season didn't go the way it was supposed to, you know. But the reason, yes, I rank this, I guess, as the fifth greatest season in Tampa Bay hockey is because of what they did during the regular season. Unfortunately, it didn't end the way they wanted it to. But what are you going to do? Unfortunately, hopefully, I think that maybe that that happening is the best thing that could have happened to this team, especially if you look at this team compared to that team, this year's team, I mean, same, same group of players for the most part. Um, and that experience will definitely help these guys come the playoffs this year. Cause hopefully we have hockey soon, uh, hopefully sooner than later, but once they start the playoffs, I think this will definitely help them. Um, I don't expect them to go out there and have this, constantly on their mind or go out there and play scared or tentative hockey or any of that. We don't want any of that because then that's just not good for business at all. Right. So, but that definitely does serve as a lesson to this team, especially to this young group of players who are going to use maybe, maybe we don't know what happened behind closed doors. That's also the other thing. Maybe they didn't prepare as well as they did uh, before these games, especially before game one. Or I don't, you can't really know what the, what the mental state was going into this series. Cause if you look at some of this, uh, articles surrounding the team at the time, especially after they lost game one, uh, and then you fast forward to after game four, a lot of these players didn't really have an answer. They, they, there's this article that I read on ESPN that really stuck out to me. It was, it, it basically described Ryan McDonough sitting in the locker room after game four and just the, sitting there with a blank look on his face of, you know, kind of like what just happened. So maybe, I mean, Ryan McDonough is a, a vet. He's been there before. He played in a bunch of playoff games with the Rangers. So for a guy like that to have that look on his face and to kind of have that attitude after the game, uh, after losing a series in the way they did, yeah, I'm sure uh, he'll take that lesson with him, as well as these young guys. And that's the best thing you could have, especially for a young goaltender. And yes, Andre Vasilevsky is still young. So to have him especially ha go through something like that and a lot of these young players is definitely the best thing for them. And I think it will pay it'll pay dividends going forward and in the shape of a, a long playoff run. So... Thanks, everybody, for listening today. That's it for today's show. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow with another honorable mention, I guess, or the sixth greatest season in Lightning history. And if you haven't done so already, go ahead, like, subscribe, follow, 
uh, download, do whatever you got to do. It really helps the show a lot. We really appreciate all the support we've been getting, especially through this little whole little lull uh, that we have right now. This little break, if you want to call it, in the sports world, especially in hockey. But you know what? We keep bringing out the content day in, day out. And when you're done with this, uh, listening to this awesome episode of Locked On Lightning, go ahead to the Locked On NHL channel where they'll be talking about the Selkie favorites and some of the dark horses in that award race. So that's been it for Locked On Lightning, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Decker. I'll be back tomorrow. Have a good one, everybody. <laughs>